When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Navigation system. Please say a command. On. Ignition. Powered. Seatbelts. Fastened. Shift. Drive. Twin City sports fans, hold on tight. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, this is The Ride with Royce. He's going the distance. Uh, Kevin Harlan never had any more fun with a name than he did Tom Gugliotta. Did you uh, take that well when he did that googly, googly, googly? I did. You know, he he was uh, he always made it fun. I knew oh, yeah. where he was coming from. But <laughs> absolutely. Okay, the Minnesota Timberwolves are entering their 30th season this year. They are uh, celebrating that. Uh, they had a corporate event last night. Tom Gugliotti appeared there, and now he's been out at the fair today. When you played here, did you ever get out to the fair? It did, actually okay. twice, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, my first daughter was born here, and uh, we, we stuck around in, in the summer times for sure, so uh, we did. I, it, it seems like it's grown. Or, it's an amazing uh, <laughs> phenomenon, isn't it, Tom? Uh, so it's in you, uh, first of all, your third year in the league, you get traded twice, right? Yes. That was kind of an eye-opener. You get traded to uh, Washington, trade you for, in the Chris Webber deal. Yep. And then, uh, what, three weeks later, you get, I uh, know, three months later, you get traded here. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I thought I'd be a, a bullet for 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> that quickly uh, went away. But, yes, then went to Golden State, which was uh, a bit of a challenge. And then um, coming to Minnesota and, and, you know, feeling welcome at home probably – you know, the first day I got there, I felt like this could be positive. Tom, it was a crazy, crazy league then. I mean, Danielle Marshall got traded after 40 games that he played here, got traded the first year for you. But I was, you know, going through your record again to remind myself, you were here at an interesting time. You were at the cross-section between J.R. and Leitner and uh, KG and uh, Stefan, you were you were the link between those two eras, almost. Absolutely, yes. Um, yep, both uh, both a good you know both experiences, <laughs> <laughs> kind of the, uh, the good, bad, and the ugly, and all of that. So, uh, and not necessarily Christian and Jr., but where the team was and and where it was going once the team you know drafted KG was a big improvement. When you looked though, when you got here, uh, it was. The, you always felt like when the personnel that you should have been a little better, don't you think? I mean, there was some talent there. It just really never meshed right away. Yeah, yeah, there, there was talent, uh, and, it, and it didn't mesh. And it was, uh, you know, whatever 
you know, it says to, for being a good team, talent is certainly necessary, but uh, chemistry is also just as important. And, um, you know, I, it didn't seem like when, when we first got here that there was chemistry and, and kind of everybody pulling in the same direction. And Michael Williams uh, becoming the first ever known patient of uh, plantar fasciitis kind of ruined that whole lot. I mean, there was your point guard, too, right? Yeah. Right yeah, away? Boy, when he played, he was very effective, but... Um, Certainly, yeah, the plantar fasciitis, fasciitis was one, and uh, he just was banged up a lot. And he, he was, we were always trying to do a makeshift uh, guy as a point guard in a 10-day contract and, and trying to substitute for the leadership that he brought. Uh, you were, when you first came here, uh, you had one of my favorite coaches, uh, characters, uh, Bill Blair. Was, uh, was He, he was, uh, you know, he only lasted 20 games that second season, but uh, he was an interesting cat. He was, and he, he was actually an assistant coach for Wes Unseld in Washington, okay. so I knew him from okay. there, and uh, that's, that was part of the fun of being, you know, going from Golden State to Minnesota. I knew Bill liked the way I played, and he was the coach, and I was like, okay, this, this could be a much better fit for me, and, and he immediately said that, that we're going to, you know, do the things that you're good at, and, and um, you know, unfortunately for him, he just didn't want to play KG, and, and that, that kind of did him in. <laughs> he didn't like rookies, which yeah. if you're not a rookie, you don't mind, but, you know, at some point you got to play him. Did, yeah. did you get the sense when, when KG first showed up as a rookie that year, did you get a sense that he was going to become the player that he ended up becoming? Yeah, you know, you, you never know he's going to be a top ten in the history of the league type player or mm. somewhere in that area, but a perennial all-star, it didn't take long to see. Uh, the gifts he had, the length, uh, his fluidity on the court. He moved around like he was 6'2". Um, and we all thought he was raw. It was going to take him time to learn the game. Well, he it took him like a week to learn a lot of parts of the game. Um, and then he just kind of went from there. So I, I would say you know, in a month we were like, this this is a legendary type player. <laughs> you, you know, they, they walk around now all the time, KD and, and you know, the body types and when yeah, KG right. came in, there, that yeah. was there was no body type like him. When you when you guys because you guys went to the All Star game in Cleveland the same year, yep. his second year in the league in 07, or uh, ninety seven, was he kind of like a kid in the candy store because he's nineteen twenty years old, he's an All Star and he's around all these players and obviously he had been playing with you, but that had to have been a fun experience for both of you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I was you know at a, at a, you know elder statesman. I was in awe too when you're sitting next to Carl Malone, John Stockton. Detlefshamp, Gary Payton, all these legends. But, you know, KG kind of – KG was that type of player that brought his own hysteria. Uh, you know, I was looking at other people's, uh, you know, their legendary careers where he was that young guy that was that was on that cusp of being that type of uh, player. So uh, it was interesting to see, and I'm, I'm thankful I was there with him and had played for him as long as I did. Uh, Googs, was he ever quiet or was he <laughs> loud and uh – and colorful with his language from the first practice. Yeah, you know, I, I <laughs> kind of like the way he learned the game. The first week, I don't, you know, he didn't curse. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, with Bill Blair, cursing was definitely acceptable. So. <laughs> and then uh, we won't blame it on Bill that, you know, he got an 18-year-old cursing. But uh, it might have um, helped him. <laughs> that's. Uh, have you uh, uh, seen the new building and the new practice facility? They show that to you? I have, yes. We spent that's some time it. in the building, and they were sanding the floor, floors and redoing. Doing yeah. them, so uh, they did some with the building, but to have that practice facility right down the runway, man, it's uh, yeah. it's unbelievable. What uh, what do you think of the league? Do you like the three point league? I have a hard time with it. I I, I don't like the forty threes. I think that takes a little away from the game. Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. I, th I think you know it's a 
the guys are getting so good at it. I don't know what do you move it back yeah, or right. you know um, they're hitting it big guys hitting it at a at a decent clip so uh, you can't argue with it but to me it's not as uh, you know it kind of takes some of the other beautiful parts of basketball out of the game because the 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 setting up of a play is no longer there it takes five seconds yeah. to set up a play it would have been uh, it, it, but it you could have adjusted to this kind of game pretty well because that's one thing you could do and uh, you know people they didn't want you taking 10 threes then but now you you could nobody think anything would. yeah yeah i think you know i think it could have been beneficial just just a more open court sure right um you know when, when you went to the basket Man, it was tricky to get to the basket. Yeah. There was there was help, and you know, guys were, and you know, I wasn't necessarily known as a fantastic scorer. I could score, but it was still they would try to stop you. And now it's if you, if you beat your man, there's really not a lot of help. Um, so that kind of clears it open. But you know, the thing is, is how long can you sustain a high percentage of, of shots? And the teams that win do that. You guys uh, were the first Timberwolf team, of course, to go to the playoffs, ninety six, ninety seven, with a forty and forty two record. And then you run into Barkley, Akeem, and uh, Clyde Drexler in the first round. Uh, that was uh, that. Ed Akeem was. Uh, that was that was a different kind of ball player, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. he was unbelievable. Yeah, no question. I mean, to have those three guys, um, they had been a lot further and in more serious games than any of us had been in. And um, you know, they just kind of went about their business and and uh, methodically knocked us out. Winning there was tough. We gave them a good fight at home, but. Um, you know, Kim Olajuwon was—he was great for a long time, but that was one of the better years he's ever had. And the next year, you're 45 and 37, but the the standards were a little higher. That was a seventh seed instead of a sixth seed. And then you get that crusty old Seattle outfit. <laughs> we were talking about that for a minute, but uh, Manny, did you ever look at that team? Peyton, uh, the—I got the box score here. They. Uh, Deadlift Shrimp. That Seattle. Yeah, Gary Payton. Dale Ellis. That Dale Seattle Ellis, team. Yeah. Uh, they Hawkins. played nine guys in the uh, in the game four where they came here and beat you. Peyton, Vin Baker, <laughs> Detlef Shrimp, Hersey Hawkins, and Jerome Kersey was the starting lineup. And the only guys they let off the bench were Dale Ellis, Sam Perkins, Nate McMillan. and uh, Sam Perkins with that set shot. Man. Greg, yeah. Greg Anthony played seven minutes. You guys were still young then, man. You were, They were some yeah. crusty old son of a guns. They were. You know, I... I live in Atlanta, and Dale Ellis is from that area, and I we end up doing some charity stuff where we shoot, and the guy does not miss today. And he's like 60-something, yeah, and, he, and he looks just the same, and I don't even shoot with him anymore. I just donate money, and I'm not shooting in front of you. Of the, uh, of the of the raucous nights in uh, the, in Target, Target Center when you were here, was that, that game four that uh, you went down to the wire with Seattle? Was that probably the most emotional night? Yeah. Yeah, you I had did. a chance to win the series. You know? Had a chance to win, um, and uh, yeah, it was it was intense. But I remember so many intense moments that time for for our team, and I, I attribute that a lot to KG too, who came out every game with energy, uh, banging his head up against boards and, and <laughs> cursing, and, and you know, fans, you know, it started in the front row, they see it, and then the third row sees it, and then gets passed along. Before you know, there's eighteen thousand maniacs in the gym, and. Uh, we that was that was a lot of fun times playing from those fans. Can you hang with us one more segment? Absolutely. You good? Okay. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back. We got Tom Gugliotta out here on the porch. The uh, Timberwolves season thirty coming up. Amazing. Tom Gugliotta is here. Thirtieth anniversary season of the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. 
We were just talking about you went to NC State. Uh, Jim Valvano was your coach when you got there. When he makes a recruiting visit to Long Island, it's probably pretty convincing, huh? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, it was, it, I've known him as a kid going to his camps, and uh, my dad was a high school coach, so they yeah. used to do camps together with Scott Layden's dad, Frank Layden, and uh, Bob McKillop, who was Steph Curry's college coach at Davidson. Okay. Uh, they were all obviously much younger, but they, they used to put us through the gamut of, uh, you know, playing basketball on tennis courts and diving for loose balls, and uh, it, was, uh, it wasn't there to get autographs from anybody coming to visit you. It was to go uh, improve your skills. But, so Val Vonnell had you pretty well locked up when you got out of high school then, huh? Yeah, yeah, he did. And, you know, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't a major recruit. I would have went to uh, Fordham. Iona was, was kind of my wheelhouse of where I was projected. But I wanted to play big-time basketball, and, and he gave me that opportunity. And uh, um, I worked my butt off, and finally, you know, things worked out. Hey, Googs, if it wasn't for the lockout season, would have there been a chance to keep that team together Ooh. or not, 98-99? I mean, 90, uh, you know, 98, you guys were pretty good, and it was all ahead of you. Yeah, yeah, that would, um, was a, um, you know, it was a lockout season with a free agency lasted 70, 72 hours. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I regret it. Um, it. It was not something I was aiming to do to leave Minnesota, but uh, – I guess I didn't do things the way I should have, uh, obviously, because I ended up leaving, and I, I wasn't very happy about it. You had to, right then, in that 72 hours, though, you had to take what was there almost, right? Yeah, it, it was like teams coming at you all at once, and, and um, you know, there was some issues with uh, Mr. Taylor was, was ill. He was in the hospital with, mm-hmm. with um so there was mistakes, man. I, I blame it on, on me because I, I, they offered what they offered, and I could have said yes, and it would not have been an issue, and that didn't happen. And then things kind of went haywire after that. And then Steph, uh, man, you, you, uh, I loved him, but uh, they couldn't get, get it through to him that uh, he couldn't get the same money KG did because the rules changed. How good was he at that, as a kid then, Steph? He was. He was, ex- he was exciting. You know, he, he at times could be difficult. Um, mm-hmm. He had a lot of pressure. Allen Iverson was his rival. Allen Iverson was a natural 30-some-odd point-a-game scorer. Steph was more than that, but he yeah. still chased that headline sure, of, right. of who was scoring. And, and he didn't get past that. And I'm sure he would have or, or did later in life, but when you're 20, that, that was important to him. So, um, we we kind of dealt with that. He he made people better, um, but you know there were times in games where he, he was he was trying to to outscore Allen Iverson and and he wasn't in the gym. Yeah, Allen <laughs> Allen could get thirty shots and nobody blinked, but you know some there are other people who needed the ball here. So yeah, yeah, uh, he's an interesting cat, man. But he was big in China. He's got a statue in China, man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know he deserves that. He he went. And, Learned a lot and yeah. got welcomed by a, a, a whole new set of people that really loved him. And he could get him. all the shots he wanted in China. <laughs> exactly. Yep. But uh, you know, he. I'm glad. I'm happy for him. And you know, we've seen each other after we both left Minnesota, and we had that look at, to each other at, at like, we we didn't do this right, you <laughs> yeah, know, right. because uh, we we were both in fledgling franchises and careers, and it was. It yep. was disappointing, and like, man, we and, we, it, and the NBA was more chaotic then than it is now. I mean, twenty years ago, it was like, okay, what's going on here with the lockout and everything? It was it was goofy. Yeah. So, Tom, tell me about playing for Flip because uh, you know we're coming up on three years now since we lost him, and you know what was that 
what was it like playing for him? Because everybody always talks about how, you know, his offense, he had so many different sets, and, you know, you had to really work hard to, to, uh, to, to get the offense down. But what was that like playing for him uh, on a nightly basis? Um, it was it was great. You know, it really was. We did have a lot of play. I think it might have been 60 or 70. <laughs> <laughs> we might have only used 20 uh, you know, in a, in a season, but he always would throw in these new plays just as a wrinkle that it looks like another play, but it was a counter, and and he was very effective. And you know what? That I thrived on that because knowing where you're supposed to be and what's expected of you in a play helped me rather than in trying to improvise offense. It was it was right there. And then as a natural instinct, you can kind of change the play as it gets to see what's open. But he was great at that, and uh, more importantly, just his his skills to get the most out of his players. Um, when you were going good, he he'd figure out a way to keep you there. And then if you were going bad, he would he would either you know it could, it depend on who you are or what stage he'd kick you in the butt or put your put his arm around you and, and nurture you. And he knew what to do, and that's what made him an extra special coach. It wasn't just X's and O's. Plus, he was a player's guy too. I mean, the the, the odds of him coming in and screaming at uh, after a off performance were probably didn't happen often. Though. No, not at all. They, you know, if you gave effort, there was never a complaint. And if and if we got beat, you know, he'd come in with a film the next day with with knockout punches in between bad bad plays we made or highlights <laughs> from other sports about getting knocked out and you end up leaving a you know a 30 point loss the next day of practice and you're all laughing and you go have a great practice and it's like there we go again you know he knew what to do he knew we were down we played like crap and he lifted us up and we go off and start another win streak you gotta love a guy who'd come home at two in the morning and watch shopping network shows and buy every piece of <laughs> crap that anybody was selling i mean he had he always had a new gadget too right i mean he was unbelievable he, he did great he loved the magic too I mean, he, he was he was a lot of fun to be around so uh, did you ever run across Thibodeau? did you ever have him he wasn't an assistant anywhere with you right no he wasn't no i knew of him um but never, never had any substantial conversations, though. It is interesting. I've, you know, in my a long career, I mean, Thibs, he got a lot of heat last year. I don't know, you know, more than he probably deserved. They did win 47 games. But he's a, there are guys that basketball is their entire life. More than any other sport, they're guys that, like, they become possessed with the game. And that's all. Am I right about that? I mean, the fans. Bass, not fans. I mean, as a coach, the, mm. the coach who's like not worldly. It's just basketball. And I'm sure you've run into those guys your whole life since you were playing AAU, for goodness sakes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, they're possessed with the game. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's kind of a fine line because in, in a lot of respects, you better be. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, there's that paranoia and that kind of what makes somebody really good at something. But you're right. There is a, a line of you got to have some sort of balance and, mm -hmm. and let the process take. And you can't control every little thing. And, mm -hmm. and I don't know if that's what he's doing. But I, can, I have played for guys that, boy, they're trying to just watch everything. And, it's, <laughs> and it wears the players out. And it, uh, so, yeah, the coaching is. Whew, that, is that the, something you've ever thought about doing coaching? <sighs> Not at, not seriously at, at the level that you know the NBA level kids or or something in that fashion is, is good and I do do some things with kids in the summertime with camps and clinics but um, you know not at this level because I I just felt I didn't I wasn't all in on on being there and and you know taking care of a lot of people he's a player you worry about you and it, and you're like you know maybe another guy if he's young and then a coach has got 14. 14 businesses to worry about mm. and everyone's got their own special interest and uh, 
you know, maybe I'm overstating it, but it was overwhelming to me to look at me and see that as being fun, to be honest with you. But the guys that can do it, it's cool to watch. How long were you a Leitner teammate? Was he wasn't gone? You, by yep, the time uh, you got three here. years. Three years. Yeah. Okay. And they tried to play him at center with you at the power forward. Right? Yeah. Did, 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 did you guys play off each other fairly well, or was that? Yeah, you know, I felt like we did. I, I really do. Um, you know, he, he was. Um, you know, he was expected to do a lot because of his college career. Sure, so he right. kind of came in. He was always kind of a disappointment, but he was putting up decent numbers and. Um, you know, he had he wasn't the friendliest guy outwardly to, to people, so <laughs> no, he rubbed that, people. That, that you guys probably had some battles in, in college, right? You oh, yeah. Being at NC State. Yeah, had to... I mean, from high school and Empire State games because he was from up, up in New York where we competed against each other. And um, um, But I really feel like when, when it got to him in Minnesota, it, it, something had, you know, he kind of come down to earth a little bit and probably got his butt handed to him. Like at Duke, he went to four straight Final Fours, and, he might not have won 60 games or 20 games in the next year and a half of his career. You know? Let's so. be honest. You swore him in a couple times, right, Tom? You swore him in a couple times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he was uh, – but, you know, what, what, here are two things really kind of – first of all, they added him to the dream team. So those 11 yeah. pros did everything they could to beat him up for, you know, that whole time because he was the guy. And then here – and we didn't get Shaq, and we didn't get Alonzo. So right. he came in on probation right away. The, the Timberwolves had the worst record, and they didn't get Shaq. So. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, you know, no one can control that. But, you know, that's uh, certainly could, could have an effect on somebody. And, um, you know, I asked Wes Unsell. I was drafted six. And I was, Wes, did you want to draft me? And he was like, no, I wanted Shaq. Are you kidding <laughs> And I was, I was like, hey, thanks, Coach. <laughs> That was a good talk. Let's Thanks go. for the pep talk. <laughs> uh, we're talking about monsters uh, players now. KG, uh, Durant, this LeBron is uh, 35 years old and he leads the league in minutes. What uh, Have you ever seen anything like this? There, nobody has, I don't think. Yeah, no, he, he's certainly cutting his own way through the NBA in the way, you know, he's his body has maintained yeah. his efficiency and, and health, and hopefully he, he maintains that. But, uh just, just incredible. I mean, you imagine that. I, you were talking about the set of rules that they play by now. I don't think it helps LeBron. I, no. If those rules were kind of the '90s, '80s, mm -hmm. where you was, you I, could muscle even more. I mean, who would ever turn around and try to? You know, and, and <laughs> it's hard enough now, but guys would get hurt trying to stop him because the coach would be like, "You have to try to stop him." You know, <laughs> uh, and it, it's it's impressive what he's doing. Uh, it's funny up here, Tom. Uh, this is the uh, advertises the state of hockey, and the hockey team here sells out every game. But we have suddenly got a terrific run of high school basketball players, national recruits. Uh, they got a kid over here at Minnehaha Academy, Jalen Suggs, who's like the third or fourth rated player in the country for the, his class in two years. And uh, the Jones brothers, you know, and Duke. And there's a, there's a lot of good basketball players around here now. That's amazing. Um, yeah. and, you know, and I came up with Khalid was in town. Sure, right. Uh, so there was, you know, we used to go to some high school games, and, and uh, but it's good to see. Certainly, you know, Minnesota, the state of Minnesota, and especially Minneapolis and the metro area have uh, got a lot of talent. So you're probably, if you're going to coach, it's probably going to be a little junior basketball with your two kids or yeah. their team, their buddies, right? Yeah, yeah. Try to get them off to a good start and have fun, but uh, – yeah, I think that, that would suit me pretty good. Uh, nice to come back for a few days. You get back at all? Is this the first time in a while? This has been the first time in a while, yes. But it, it is It's uh, just unbelievable to be back, to be honest. And uh, the love I've received and, and 
the the inclusion uh john thomas who's the one that kind of set this up who works for, oh, for yeah, the timberwolves and and uh he, we've been working on it for i don't know a year to try to figure out a time to come up and do something and i was definitely interested so uh, i'm thankful that he took those steps and, and got me out here and, and look forward to doing more if i can since you left town new baseball park <laughs> new f- unbelievable football stadium new gopher football stadium we're building a soccer stadium here new hockey arena this has become sports central incredible and it, you know, <laughs> just the drive in from from the airport to get to downtown and uh, the driver was nice enough to point out what's going on down there but it's a completely different city it was a fun city when we were here but it has uh, even gone up uh, plenty too since i've been gone for sure hey googs thanks for stopping by and uh enjoy your time back home all right i will thank you for having me guys tom uh the link between the leitner rider era and the marbury garnett right here that's what i'm calling him (laughs) tom gugliotta he was here with as interesting a period as the wolves have ever had you know what you discover when you interview tom gugliotta somebody from then and the Listen to Harlan there. The Wolves were a lot more interesting than we give them credit for in the mid-90s. That's a good you know? point. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on, man. J.R. and Leitner and then Steph. And, Those uh, are some fun days. Garnett. So, I mean, there was, there was, uh, and if they beat that Seattle team in 98 yep. and to get through the first round, yep. uh, boy, there would have been some more. And that was a, re- people forget, that was a really, really, really good Seattle team that the Wolves took oh, down sure. in the wild. Well, yeah, that Seattle um, team was really good. They're all 32-year-old guys who played 14 years in the league, you know. <laughs> Just two years removed from the finals. I'm a little too. bit surprised, Pat, because usually I can read you and kind of know where you're going with certain things. I can't believe you didn't do the Valvano Sid story with Googs when he was here on stage. I told him off the air. Oh, you did? Yeah, okay. I told him off the air, yes. I love this man. <laughs> who is this man? <laughs> I love this man. Are you accusing North Carolina State of having too tough of academic standards? <laughs> that is such a great story. <laughs> Here's Johnny Hyde. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, twins lose to the Indians today, five to three. Uh, twins did get home runs. I don't think we're going to catch them now, Johnny. No. I think we had to win. <laughs> They're the in the distance <laughs> now. <laughs> had to win the series, but uh, Miguel Sano homered in the ninth. A. Ray Adrianza homered earlier. It was not enough uh, because Jake Odorizzi got the loss, five and nine now in the season. And yes, he did go five and a third innings. Oh, that's good. That's good. They're going to put that in his. Uh, that's going to be his number next year on. Uh, you know, on sixteen. Five, no, five and a third. You know when uh, when Vex uh, when the midget batted. Yeah. He had three ace. He had three, three aces. Is his yep. number. I think five and a third will be Odorizzi's new number next year. Eddie Goodell. Is he back? God, I hope not. But they don't have an option. I know that's the problem. They don't have an option. You need a warm body. There's a spot in the rotation for him. There's three spots in the rotation. Well, and the problem is he's not even good enough to put in the bullpen because he doesn't throw hard enough. (laughs) Uh, The Twins made a trade today. Oh, really? They sent catcher Bobby Wilson to the Chicago Cubs in return. For Chris Jimenez. <laughs> oh, really? All right. In other words, oh, that's awesome. in other words, they didn't make a trade. Right. They did not make a trade. We traded a guy These are for the, the same, same guy. human being. <laughs> yep. Now, so Jimenez is Wilson's on the DL, so the Cubs don't have to put him on their 
They, so he's their third catcher for September, basically. Yeah, I would think, although yeah. uh, Jimenez, apparently they had DFA'd Christoph. Yeah. I yeah. didn't know yep. that, but they had yeah. DFA'd. But he hadn't played all year, hardly. No, yeah. he was. Uh, well, he had, he had, didn't, he had like really wanted to come back here, too, didn't he? Jimenez? Yes. Oh, remember he, the Cubs signed him because they wanted you. He was you's personal catcher. That's right. Yeah. And that, that <laughs> really right. backfired on him. <laughs> Uh, apparently, uh, Phil Miller tweeted the Cubs reached out to the Twins to make that deal. So I don't know if the Cubs sure. wanted Bobby. Yeah, get Billy they, saw the, they saw the two home runs that I also saw that Bobby Wilson uh, hit this year, and they were they were intrigued. Well, I, you know, Jimenez, I don't think, I don't even know if he's been playing in the minors. I, maybe he yeah, did, sure. but he hasn't been with the big club. But that's sure. good. He's a leader. He's a leader, he's Jimenez. A leader. Although Bobby was a leader, too. Good, good. In, the, good in the clubhouse. What was your line about Bobby Wilson? The Twins are undefeated when Bobby Wilson drives in four runs. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Never lost a game. We also found out today, Eddie Rosario, if you were listening or watching the game, uh, came out after a couple of at-bats. The Uh-oh. reason, he has a sore quad. Oh, goody. Uh, he suffered that when he stepped on the bag, beating out an infield hit today. Uh, manager Molitor, after the game, said that Eddie is unlikely to play in Texas this weekend. So Day-to-day? Day no, to day, unlikely to play. Unlikely to play in Texas, so I'm guessing that means he's out for a few so games. So I bet they DL him and call up. Uh, Zach they, Granite, baby. Yeah, he hasn't been playing, though. Oh. He's been hurt all year. So Byron Buxton. Yeah, they're going to have to call up Buxton. Uh, Brewers beat the Reds 2-1 to one in 11 today. That was the only other day game today. Brewers are still got a wild card, even though they've been in the tank for about six weeks. Gophers open up their football season tonight, uh, underway in a little more than an hour now, in fact. They're taking on New Mexico State at TCF Bank Stadium. That is a 6 o'clock kickoff this evening. Vikings wrap up their preseason tonight, playing the Titans down in Tennessee. Uh, Last exhibition game, they open up their regular season September 9th at U.S. Bank Stadium. That'll be against Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers. How about that no-good weasel, Jerry Jones, says that he wants oh, an 18-team, but he's not. He's and and he's But they'd still have to play two exhibitions. Yeah. So he's offering them nothing except uh, he's saying, well, you get paid for those two exhibitions, but you think they're actually going to throw the players a bunch of I mean, they'd get paid for those two regular season games. It ain't happening. Would you, as a sports writer, Patrick, would you make it a point to go to Jerry Jones' weekly press conference after every single game? Just on the off chance he says something stupid? I've sat in on it. They wait, basically walks in the locker room, and then they all surround him. And the Dallas Morning News and the papers down there, they got a guy basically assigned to see what he says after every game. Wow. Yeah, he's a complete jackass. <laughs> uh, we did find out more today now about uh, the charges against 25-year-old Caleb Jones. Of course, he's been taken into custody, held on probable cause, felony-level theft, and misdemeanor-level domestic assault. As the, far as we know, is he still in jail? Uh, yes. The complaint said officers got a 911 hang-up call from a hotel in Egan. Prior to getting to the scene, officers received another 911 call from a woman claiming Jones put his hands on her. While on the phone, the woman said Jones was trying to leave before the line went dead. When officers called the number back, a man answered the phone but quickly hung up when he heard it was the police. Upon arrival at the hotel, officers found the woman who said she and Jones had gotten into a physical and verbal altercation in the room. The woman said Jones picked her up, threw her, and kicked her during the altercation. She said Jones, uh, she told Jones she planned to call the police, got into the elevator. He intercepted the elevator on another floor, grabbed the phone out of her hands, and ran off with the phone. 
Hotel employee told officers that they heard two loud booms coming from the room that Jones and the woman were in during the alleged altercation. Another witness told the uh, said uh, across the hall said he she heard the altercation taking place and told officers it sounded bad. He's been charged with one count misdemeanor level domestic assault, one count felony level theft by temporary control, one count gross misdemeanor level interference with an emergency call. All right, Johnny, thank you. You bet. We'll be back. So, uh, North Michigan State has been completely exonerated from the Dr. Nasser uh, scandal huh, by the NCAA. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. Uh, well, no, as far as the NCAA is concerned. They, they have... They have hundreds of millions of dollars to pay off to uh, lawsuits and the like. But uh, as far as the NCAA is concerned, they, got, uh, they, got, uh, they get to walk just like uh, North Carolina did on academic fraud. And I don't know if I'm really disputing this, except why then did these uh, guys uh, jump into the Penn State situation if they're not going to jump into this situation? Right. I thought that that was an absolute Mark Emmert overstepping his bounds it was a criminal case it wasn't an ncaa legislative case but uh they uh leaped in there and now they've uh, decided not to leap into the michigan state mess so but uh anyway that that happened today as uh, we were talking about it earlier uh, chris uh we haven't heard anything on Durkin in Maryland, have we? Uh, no. For a couple of weeks here. What's going on? I, well, the, you know, the thought occurred to me, too, with this, you know, very, very sensitive case, obviously, with the death involved of a player, you wonder if they're waiting for the litigation to take its course because you know they the have, school well, is going to be sued in some well, form or another. Well, they've already taken responsibility, and obviously they're trying to reach a settlement with the family already. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was wondering, is if they're just kind of waiting for that situation to resolve itself before they proceed with. But, because he's going to be on, he's on paid leave with no timetable set, correct? Uh, yeah, yeah, they haven't said anything. And he, uh, by the way, has uh, been very successful as a recruiter. Even though he does, he where's he come out of the Michigan? I thought it was Michigan Florida. or Ohio State. No, wasn't it Florida? Michigan or Ohio State? Okay, he was maybe I'm thinking of somebody. He was else. an assistant in one of those two places. I'm trying to think, uh, might have been Ohio anyway. State. Durkin, DJ Durkin. I where's think it come? was Ohio State. Uh, well, that would be interesting. Another, he's apparently one of these hard-nosed screamers. I don't know why he's been uh, so successful. Let me look up his Wikipedia. And see, mm-hmm. uh, it's been uh, quite a uh, run here for uh, Jim Delaney's uh, conference, though, hasn't it? Oh, uh, my God. With the, uh, you know, Ohio Michigan. State. D.J. Durkin came from Michigan. He came from Michigan. He was, okay. Michigan, yeah. he was uh, Defensive coordinator. Yeah. That is uh, my favorite part of the uh, Ohio State excuse makers, the one that uh, suggests that Harbaugh, oh. Harbaugh put him up to this. Uh, you know, Harbaugh started this whole mess. Now, how, how, how the hell did that happen? Did you see, by the way, what Zach Smith did on social media yesterday? He didn't respond, did he? Yes, he did. Oh, no. He, uh, he, and I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, but I just saw it um, surfacing yesterday on social media where he went after Brett McMurphy, um, the original, the, okay. the, the person who basically broke the story, yes. and then tweeted out a photo of his two kids and saying... How, you know, look at what you're doing to these two innocent kids' life. I thought, Zach, uh-huh. Zach, no, put the phone down. You're not, there's nothing you're going to possibly say or do 
that's going to make you look better in any light. How whatsoever. about Ohio State uh, revealing that Tom Herman was at the strip club with him? Yeah, how about uh, to that? Try to deflect a little attention and uh, maybe get people talking about, uh, oh, does uh, Herman have a problem at Texas? No, a coach can go to a strip joint if he wants to. DJ right? Durkin, by the way, was the defensive coordinator at Michigan, but he did actually coach under Urban Meyer at Bowling Green. He was a grad assistant. And uh, Andy coached under him at Florida as well as a defensive and the, and the guy coaching there now, Canada, the interim, had only been there. He just came there, right? And I think I they think wanted so. somebody. Matt, Matt Canada. Yeah, he was, a, he was the offensive coordinator at Wisconsin. And then he got hired away by LSU for big money. And uh, they they fired him after one year down there uh, and brought in a new offensive coordinator. So looking at the Big Ten as a whole, Pat, is this a up year, a down year for the Big Ten as a whole? I mean, I know obviously the Ohio States of the well, world are going to be Wisconsin good. Well, they got Wisconsin rated in the top five in the country. I think they're overrated. But, uh, they expected it, but, Michigan but, to be pretty good, right? Cause but, yeah, it's, uh, they, got, they got five teams in the top 20. So, you know, Michigan, Michigan. They got Michigan State rated fairly high again. Penn State, obviously. But Penn State, Ohio State, and uh, Wisconsin are all like top 10 or 12 teams. But so. Penn State has big shoes to fill with Barkley leaving. And uh, didn't is the quarterback back? Yes, the quarterback. Oh, back. he is. Okay. They're supposed to I be. Didn't know if they lost uh, they're him supposed too. to be pretty good. There's, you know, they, they obviously don't have Barkley. That's but, uh, four. Four is really high for Wisconsin, though. I'm not yeah. sure they're that. I think they're pretty good, but I don't know if they're the fourth best team in the country. No, I don't either. Uh, they don't play that dynamic style of football, and and they lost, I think, nine defensive starters, something like that. They they have obviously depth and the like. And their quarterback but, is mediocre. But they're uh, they got two receivers. Suspended once, one indefinitely for uh, alleged sexual assault of, and then uh, the the other guy, the, their good one, is suspended for the first two games because he was with this. He was guy in the when, area when this yeah. took uh, place, and uh, so they're getting a lot of heat about that for not uh, suspending him for longer. But you know, anyway, they're uh, you know they're they're very highly rated. I. I think they look at this kid. They look at the West and think they should be able to win the West. So then, well, wait a minute. What if we go in and we we demolish New Mexico State? Yes. Are we on our way to the first West Division championship? Uh, I would be surprised. Okay. No, I, I would be surprised. <laughs> but I, I, honest, I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win seven games. They got an really? easy home schedule. Yes, they do. Yeah, they got an do. easy home schedule. You think Purdue and Northwestern are unbeatable in your stadium? I don't think they ever are, you know. But Northwestern is that team that always gives them fits. Yes, but, you know. But you should listen, beat them at home. You're right. Listen, everybody gives the Gophers fits. Except, <laughs> Indiana, and, except Indiana and Illinois. Including they, they the all, afternoon drive host yeah, on this station. All fits. Wouldn't you <laughs> imagine Purdue and Northwestern would be favored coming in here, though? Mm, yes, they'll be favored by what I'm saying. It's gonna anything under a touchdown is not, mm. you know. Well, if I'm not mistaken, I believe I heard the coach say that they are one of the youngest teams in the. Uh, I Big think he Ten. mentioned that. Yes, yeah. and it's true. And uh, the only reason he hasn't given the uh, quarterback a scholarship is so he can say he's got a walk-on quarterback. But uh, well, you know just... what? He's a you know he's he's full of beans, but there's no better state to be completely full of crap than the state of Minnesota. <laughs> we like it. Well, yes. just, just we remember, like to just, be schmoozed. Just remember, guys, tonight, New Mexico State, 
dangerous football team. Oh, they're they dangerous. are a dangerous, dangerous football, football team. team. So dangerous that they ran for minus Hell, nine yards last week. The last three minutes that they played, they got over the 50-yard line. So uh, hey. what the hell? I mean, they finished, they're as, coming in. As Brew would say, they finished the game I strong. think they might have scored last. See? I'm not sure. <laughs> All right. We'll be back. Manny Hill, we are sitting here live at the Great Minnesota Get-Together, the yes, uh, second-to-last episode of the Ride with Royce live at the Minnesota State Fair. And you know what's weird? I don't have fair fatigue yet. And I don't know if that's because I haven't done the second beer show yet out here. Because typically <laughs> so what happens... i back with you again in about two hours. But I think because it's somewhat of the swan song and everything else. But yeah. I also think uh, the, the, the biggest reason is because normally when we sit out on this on this uh, stage with the sun beating down on us when it's typically like 90 plus degrees. But mm-hmm. the weather these last two days has been absolutely spectacular. So I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, too, we, we got to give a lot of credit to the crowds that have been showing oh, up, man. especially for GL. Yes. Talk. I mean, it just shows how dedicated a lot of these listeners have been. And, and, uh, and I know a lot of them are pretty sad that, you know, things are changing a little bit. But um, Oh, let's be honest. They're all here to see me. And oh, the yeah. beer show, yeah, they're they're here to see you uh, behind the glass, <laughs> and uh, yeah, but uh, but no, it's it's been great. It's been a great time. The weather the last two days, like you said, has just been fantastic. Today has probably been the best day that I could think of, weather-wise, at the fair in a long time. I completely agree. And here's what I am looking forward to the most because tomorrow is obviously it's going to be a tad bit of an emotional day, but it's going to yeah. be a spectacular day from both. Just all the different and variety of guests that are going to be coming on, and and Johnny's when Johnny's band plays all the bumps, it's a lot of fun. But seeing our guy in his last ever obligation to be out at the place that he <laughs> despises the most, see me at the fair again. it's going to be something that everyone is going to need to witness firsthand. And I can't, I absolutely can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a hell of a show. I, I, I can't wait for it. And um, you know, it's, it's going to be bittersweet yep. because it's, it's going to be the last one here at the fair, but uh, it'll be fun. So stick around. Andy Greeter is going to join us live from at TCF bank stadium. After this top of the hour break, you're listening to the home of sports talk in the twin cities. Folks, we are 1500 ESPN. We'll be back.